We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome this week to the True Faith Radio Show. Um, this week it's me, Ben Wade, your host. Uh, I've got Simon Campbell with us uh, and we've got Dodzy on the phone. Hello lads. Come in Dodzy, can you hear her? You're very, very intimate. Hello to it's very, very quiet, Dodgy. Well, we've got a faulty wire, so I'm going to have to spend the whole show <laughs> sitting perfectly still, holding the wire. Can you hear me now, Dugger? Yes, I can hear you now, lads. Um, can I do me notices? Or yeah, shoot. Ben, are you going to do the notices? No, uh, you, you, you yeah. can do it if you want, shoot. So these are Dugger's notices. <laughs> if you're listening to this on the live radio show or the podcast, thanks very much. We really appreciate everyone who listens. We've been getting about 2,000 listens a week, which might sound like a lot or might sound like absolutely nothing but we've come a long way from like absolutely no one listened where at the start of last year we mean at no one where <laughs> literally no one <laughs> uh, at the moment we've got two blogs weekly blogs on the true faith website uh my blog looks at the winners and losers of the premier league weekend mike looks at what the premier league managers have been saying in their press conferences and how ridiculous some of the pattern is and more importantly at the moment we're doing some special podcasts every week me and mike because uh, we didn't invite the other lads did, um, Didn't want to do it. Did, <laughs> did a podcast on Brendan Rogers and Jurgen Klopp. You can get that on iTunes and SoundCloud. And we also did a podcast on uh, English teams in the Champions League and why they're doing so, so badly. Uh, we're kind of planning to do the, the special podcast throughout the year, as long as this radio show, as well as this radio show, and the Monday podcast that we do. If you want to be involved, if you want to come on, or you have any topics that you think we discuss, just drop one line on Twitter at TFWPod and uh, we'll get you involved. We're very much looking to get other Newcastle fans involved in the product that will produce our stockers' notices. Thank you, Dodzy. Eloquently put, as always. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. So, um, should we crack on then uh, with the discussion this week then? We're sort of, obviously, it's International Week, so we're a bit. Uh, a non plus of what there's nothing to talk about yeah. the rest of the UK is getting excited but there's no reason for so anyone in England to be excited we thought we'd just have a sort of a look at how we think Newcastle season has gone so far um, have a talk about where we thought obviously previously how we would do and maybe sort of compare it to last season as well so um, Dodzy I'll start with you how do you think the season has gone so far compared to how you thought it would have gone uh, sort of pre-season when the fixture list came out well Thanks for coming to me, Ben. <laughs> uh, you're welcome, mate. Anytime. Well, seeing, seeing you're the uh, the one that's doing your own podcast these days, I thought you'd have uh, prepared all this stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, what, when I was thinking about this show weeks and beforehand when we prepared it, <laughs> I decided to go and re-listen to the podcast we did from this international break that we did last year, um, which I think I think we labelled it 
Alan Podger was a very lucky man and put that picture of Podger with the, the boots on. Mm-hmm. So just uh, any any long time listeners remember that one? <laughs> he basically said we're just beaten Leicester at home and Spurs away. I think the next game was going to be Man City as well. Um, yeah, we're just beating Leicester and Spurs, and we'll, even then we said that with what forty million pounds invested last year, Newcastle as a club with the support, the stadium, the history, the fan base shouldn't be waiting six or eight games as it was, seven or eight games to win Premier League games because you basically you have absolutely no chance of doing anything with your season. Mm-hmm. We'll soon put that, that was soon put to bed as we stormed into like fifth place by, by <laughs> Christmas um, with Padre winning. Now that's an exaggeration, we'd never hit those heights but so I'll just, I'll just give that a bit of a listen this week and um, what what strikes me which uh, Ben, you made the point actually on this podcast I did, I did actually listen to this podcast this week even though we didn't know we were doing this radio show until late notice on this um, <laughs> Essentially, you were saying that um, Newcastle have bought a load of players with potential or haven't bought anybody who you'd say they are going to be successful. Even Remy Cabellia said, who will still have high hopes all the time, mm-hmm. you're basically saying that we've taken a £14 million punt and, you know, that's, that's good and we wanted to see Newcastle spend more money. But why couldn't we spend £14 million on a player that has done it in the Premier League? And I think 12 months on, no one's learned the mistakes from last year. It's yeah. almost as if... They just blame John Carver. I don't know mm. that's easy to do. <laughs> that is easy to do. But the base, I mean, have you seen his part of this week as well? Absolutely disgusting part in the media. Just saying the DNA of the dressing room is not right. And it's like, funny that you missed out on playing Gukwan and Sander Mid. That's been one of the reasons Newcastle got beat at Man City, John. I thought, I thought he pioneered that. I thought, I thought you were referring to his, uh, his shenanigans at uh, a charity day, Dugger, but we'll, we'll move on. Well, that's, <laughs> that's all behind closed doors. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, essentially, like if you say, "Oh, Newcastle season, how do I analyze it?" I just say it's exactly the same as last season, but we have a worse. Do we have a worse manager? Jury's out on the car, and I like him a lot as a person. I like him more as a person than Pardew, but uh, Pardew knew how to like when a push came to shove, and I know everyone's going to throw stats at me. Whenever his dog was under threat, he could pull a couple of wins out of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> um, I'm not sure McLaren has that. I think what is it? Three of his last eighteen games as a manager, he's won two. That's two, correct. I think. Two. I think it's only that's two. That, like, I mean, that's that's a disgrace. Yeah, really. On two, and one of them will have been beaten Northampton. Yeah, it was in the yeah. cup. So you've got you've got to look at the people at the top. Let's leave McLaren for a moment. Yet again, Newcastle. Yeah, I really like them. Ben Bear, I'm sure we'll talk all the signs. Yet again, Newcastle failed in a transfer market, and you've got to look at the two at the top of that, or mm-hmm. at the medium anyway, the medium tier, which is Gray and Carr my next 3,000 piece true faith article is on 3,000 word piece <laughs> true faith article on so I've been doing a bit of, a bit of research on Graham Carr and it's, it's record at Newcastle for that piece and in the HR we've got to say both of them haven't done enough to keep their jobs in any normal situation so not good I, I don't know I mean I, th- I take your point up on Carr I mean I think we we sort of touched on it on the podcast as well I mean obviously when I was saying that the type of players we're buying it's just frustrating because he's he has had some successes I mean, you even look at the players we've got now, uh, from this transfer window, you would say Mbemba looks a really good, promising signing and, and has been playing, probably has been one of the most consistent performers so far on the team. Um, Wijnaldum, we've said a few times, been a bit worried in certain games because he seems to go missing, but I think the last couple of games, he's, he's when he's been sort of used in a more um, sort of traditional sense rather than that sort of luxury 10 role when he's been put into a midfield where he's been given a set role he's, he's looked more comfortable yeah exactly I mean yeah I mean it, it's obviously I wouldn't necessarily say that would have been his best spot but he's, he's much he seems to be much better in a more structured team where it's a, a solid 4-4-2 rather than him just having a free role and trying to sort of spot the gaps and then Mitrovic I think um, obviously his when I mean the, the, obviously he didn't really play much in the first few games um, and then got sent off but since he's come in he's completely revolutionised the, the team in terms of the way we play we're actually we're, we're posing an attack and threat and I think you go back to, to the last couple of years as well I mean Perez for 2 million plucked out absolute nowhere um, sort of. I mean I know they were, they were saying t- bigger teams were linked with him but you, you sort of you, you don't sort of read too much into that otherwise he, he probably would have been going there if if he'd had the option to go to Barcelona or whoever was talking with him, but I think he has he has hit on a lot of a lot of the signings. But I think, as you say, it's just disappointing that a, f- a few of them that obviously the, the bigger money ones like Cabela and Tovan 
don't seem to have hit the heights that you would have wanted sort of to, to come in and, and push the team on. Si, what, what were you going to say? Um, I, I don't think there's a, there's any doubt that Graham Carr can pick out a, a cracking footballer. I, th- I don't think that's anything wrong with what, what he's doing. He, almost every player he's ever got to Newcastle has been an excellent footballer on mm-hmm. paper. What is disappointing is the lack of coordination. He seems to just be going and picking up the same player over and over again. Yeah. Players who... I've got another crack one for you lads. Where does this one play? He plays just behind the striker. <laughs> no, we don't need any more of them. Aye, but he's class. Like, <laughs> How tall is he? He's five foot eight. Champion, get him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is, is he he's, he's eight stone. He's he's <laughs> All of the players he's, got, he's bought, I, I can't think of any that I'd say, although Cabela was a real disappointment, I can't say any of them weren't capable of, of doing it. It's it's the coordination. Okay. It's the it's the it's there's no sense of like building a team and putting players in the right positions. Mm-hmm. That's what's disappointing. I mean, I don't know how much say Graham Carr has on that matter. He says, mm-hmm. right, I'm looking at that squad and we need this, or is he just being told go and find value, yeah. go and find players that people don't know about, so we can pay them less and get them in and try and you know. <laughs> I, d- I don't know that we'd be paying 15 million. For for people we don't know about, but I, I oh, think Mitrovic will be on half the wages that Charlie Austin yeah, was asking yeah, for. That's yeah. why we went with him. Yeah, that's that's the right. Can I can I come in on a couple of points? Go for to pull you up to pull you up. Ben, I'm sorry to an extent when you say you've never bought a player that um, has you know not contributed to the team. Hang on, I I'll never said he's never had. I Al- said he's Alphonsano. Who? Alphonsano. Brilliant. You mean the injury prone player that we bought in 2011 who's played like 30 games, so the two nearly fit again and it's caused to be like happy. But I think his record's really sketchy. But <laughs> if we forget about the players for a moment, and I do want to pick you up on a couple of points about the, the players that you've, you've said about this season, you know, I talk about Graham Carr and the players he picks. Yeah. He's chief scout, he's not director of football, he's not a football manager. It's absolutely mental the control that he has. And everyone, everyone seems to admit, and you know, they seem to say that Graham Carr has the final word in transfers. Uh, allegedly, Cardi was very unhappy. Probably lots of terrible, terrible players who were, would, would, would be better not the same. Um, I mean, obviously, there's the one Alan Pardew who told me, actually, would tell me, or was it a, a charity do? It's the only time a charity do these days. With Pardew a couple of years ago, and um, he, this is after we just finished it. So, obviously, everyone absolutely loved him, myself included. And he was a really engaging speaker, a really nice guy, uh, very open, and he said, this is when it's all happened. Uh, just being promoted back to the Premier League. And obviously everyone... Was it not the championship? It's, yeah, so, when just, so this is 2012-13 and it's Southampton's first season back in the Premier League. Right. And Pardew kind of gave, gave away something which uh, no one really thought of at the time. He said, when Pardew first came to Castle and first met Graham Carcass, but I think someone asked him what's the relationship between you and Graham. Is it, and, and, I, and he was saying it in a positive way. Like, who finds these class players like Kabaji Foreman included? And he says... Graham is very much the one that identifies the talent. If I have a player who I think is good, Graham will go and take a look at him. So the manager has absolutely no say, no say whatsoever in the players that uh, he can buy. But even more tellingly, Alan Pardew said the first thing he did when he got to Newcastle, the first time he met Graham Carr, he said, buy Adam Lallana, buy him. And at the time, it's all happened in League One, um, and Graham Carr went, you'll never, you'll never make it. You'll never make it in the Premier League, which is fine, because I'm sure the football is littered with stories of scouts and managers and you know whatever they've let players go and it happens if you're going to look at thousands of players a year you're going to let some good ones go but it's interesting that um, Pardew kind of said obviously uh, Lana was absolutely classed this season Southampton got promoted and Pardew also said you'll see this year how good a player Adam Lallana is and obviously he was absolutely classed for Southampton Tony Castle apart a couple of times and he said I'm not going to let Graham forget that so I, I think although that's one anecdote from two two to three years ago it kind of tells you how much power Graham Carr has and you've got to think to yourself what's Graham Carr done in football? He's a failed manager of Northampton Town yes he picked up Johan Kabai but, and yes he's picked up some good players on cheap money but like you say si, Graham Carr a little bit like um, Charlie seems to have bought in very much to Mike Ashley's one of Newcastle United this is a bloke Graham Carr who threatened to resign when Newcastle appointed Joe Career as director of football um, the fact that he didn't resign and then didn't sign a player for 18 months, two years, four transfer windows apart from Remy and Luke De Jong alone tells you very much that he's, he's well in with Ashley, he's well in with Charlie and, and like you say, Si, there's no attempt to build a team and then you're talking about the players in sport like Wijnaldum and Mitrovic and then, yes, they've improved the team 
But have we improved the team that won three of the last 19 company games last season? Enough? I don't think so. Especially with a couple of high-profile departures. Have they, you know, do you think that the, the culture in the dressing room is going to be changed by a 20-year-old Serbian who, uh, I love him, and I think he's mint, but let's hope he doesn't get to miss too many more games through <laughs> suspension. But when you don't sign a player for two years like Newcastle did, apart from a couple of lone players, and you let your best player leave, Bar, Kabai, amongst others, um, that, that takes serious rebuilding. Like, Jack Callback on a three is the only central midfield right thing that Newcastle signs, not. Well, on Kufan doesn't count. And since we signed Kabai, mm-hmm. am I wrong here? Because it's down serious. I'm not saying, I'm not pointing, I'm not saying talent I'm thinking, I'm trying to wrap my brain. So I do uh, uh, yeah, who, who's, the, who's the first team something in the field that Newcastle bought in the past few years? And like you say, well, they're on number 10, not winning the other. It's, it's a neat error, isn't it, for six million a couple of years ago. Um, but that was, they bought, they bought a neat in 2012. Yeah. Over three years That's ago. That's what I'm saying, so, yeah, a few so years ago, wasn't it? I mean, that's a disgrace. Like, try mm-hmm. and find another Premier League team. On the, at the other end of the spectrum, you've got someone literally hoying players, <laughs> you know, get, getting the, getting the pack of fantasy Premier League football cards <laughs> and just hoying hoy the packs out and just picking the random players to bring in on a thing. <laughs> Newcastle, Newcastle not signing the second midfielder. If Graham, Graham Carr is solely in charge, which I think he is, the mm-hmm. players coming to and from the club. I, I think he's, he's his role is redundant. If Jack Carr was on a three, is his best effort in three years. Yeah, no, I tell, I tell you, but I mean, we... I'm not. I'm not saying he's he's got it right on everyone, Dodgy. I think you, you maybe quoted as wrongly there. I was just saying he's he has brought in some quality players. Um, but I think we said. I mean, we said on the podcast again uh, in the week that it's it's bizarre that they haven't um, <laughs> managed to sort of resolve the the biggest underlying issue that Newcastle have had for years and years is the back four. They've bought Daryl Yanmat. Um, was the only one we haven't even got a left back on the books properly like that's fit at the minute. Um, we've got Daryl who has had a couple injury scares already this season, and then you've got Colaccini and and Bember who if either one of them goes down, you're looking at flipping Williamson coming back in again as the the backup. And it, it is as you say, it's criminal that they've they've just coasted along on on literally the bare minimum. Um, and they've just not, as as Sai was saying before, they've just not looked to build a squad. It's it's just seeing if we can improve. Where it's it's almost as if they think we just want want entertainment, sort of attacking players. You're not going to get anywhere just buying these number tens that have got a bit of a a, a bit of skill about them. You, you need to build a a, a team that's it's going to be at least competent in games and competing. It's, it's that kind of classic thing in football of oh we're, we're one or two good signs away from having a really good team. It doesn't really work like that. Like yeah. Arsenal, Arsenal have been saying that for years. Oh, just one or two signs away from a really good team. You don't. You need to constantly improve. You need to constantly yeah. adapt and, and develop and and build squads and and change things. We we've said for football, years football teams get stale very quickly. Yeah. We've got so stale and really like need a total total clean out but I mean I think we've always said the the best sort of Newcastle team is always it, when that that season we got fifth there was competition for places we've not had anything like that since because they've they've let players who who had some value go for whatever reason um and they've not replaced them what were you going to say there Dodgy sorry mate um I, I, I can't I didn't think I was going to say anything but oh, I, 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 do have some, I, do, I do have something to say on on the, on the very good point that both you and I make about Newcastle going stale as a club, what what worries me is that Tate, Rolando, Aaron's <laughs> is an example. Any time there's kind of someone, and Perez, Perez is another good example. We seem to have these players, and I'm, I'm not just talking about the injuries that we could come on to the interview later on in the show because they're a disgrace. But you know, Rolando Aaron burst onto the scene last year, mm-hmm. and he was absolutely class. I mean, a Man City, Man City for a full time team not against Newcastle. Um, apart from Aguero on the bench who came on after the 50th minute we won comfortably 2-0 we could have won by more and Aaron's only played 45 minutes and he absolutely terrified them terrified them since that game which is over a year ago now I think or, or at the end of October what's he been where's he going why is he not been? like we've had constant injuries he's one of these players players at Newcastle right seem to get injured without anyone knowing about it other teams players there's an injury report in training they get injured on the pitch and then come off Newcastle players just seem to get injured, and at any time that looks to be like you say competition for places. Like I'm not saying this is all being called for, but things just seem to mysteriously mysteriously happen to a lot of players, and then everyone looks at that contract situation. Steve McLaren had to come out for both Czech Chelsea, sorry, Czech Chelsea, Papa Cisse, Rolando Aaron's season, 
and confirm that they're actually injured and they're not being left out for <laughs> couple of contractual disputes. Yeah. How can you have competition for places in a squad when the manager's asking answering those kind of questions? When it's in a white white check you're not getting a game. Oh, he's injured. Well, he's not injured. He's been training. No, no, he's injured. He's not, he's not fit. She say no, he's injured. Aaron's has hardly played in, in a year. Yeah. No, he's injured. But he hasn't. He, I don't ever been injured apart from Liverpool last season. I don't think he's ever been injured on the pitch. Mm-hmm. In the, I mean, I'm going a bit off topic, but just with the competition for places like you're saying and going to stay. Any time we try and introduce someone into the team, like Paul Dummett, another one mm-hmm. who suffered a bad injury last year and was expected to be back towards the end of the season. He's been off for nearly eight months. <laughs> eight months. He didn't do a cricket. <laughs> he didn't break a leg. Why is out for eight months? He's another one who's been out for this long, and, and it's got, we've got more issues about him going to Palace, issues about wanting new contracts. Just yeah, baffles me. No, it's. I mean, it isn't. It's. It, it is an interesting point, as you say, Dodds. There's a lot of questions. Well, a lot of answers to be given from the club. It's, um, it's sad, isn't it? As you say, it's sad that it's. It all it raises is suspicion. Suspe- you can't yeah. trust the club for that reason, and it's. Like, it, it's got to be more to it. These players c- can't just be out injured conveniently all the time, and then suddenly they're looking for moves. Like if they'd moved, I bet Dummett would have been playing for Palace by now if he yeah, actually made definitely. the move. I mean, yeah, the, the, obviously the reports of the touting um, Aaron's out on loan as well. It's just just it's disappointing. Cause I think it, it sort of brings one to another point that we're not going to discuss tonight, but that someone tweeted in about about sort of how we've struggled to bring youth players through, and they're two players that have shown glimpses that they they could contribute to the team and um especially obviously the they've they've come in and made impacts on the team already um but we just don't seem to utilize them and it's it's a shame that they're potentially two players that we could really um embed into the team and build a team around and, and it, it's just yeah. we, we seem to waste waste their talents we're just for whatever reason um we just don't give them their fair crack yeah, to quickly touch on that, that's exactly it. They don't get the fair crack. Last season, when we were just like plummeting down the table, instead of giving some young young blood like a run out, and I think we would touch on this on many a podcast, so why not just give some of the young lads a game, see if they've got it, see if they've got a chance. And we're just playing Gufran game after game, playing Williamson game after game. These players have got no career left in them. Gufran will not be seen again after this season. Williamson will not play another Premier League game. Why on earth were we just continuing to give them 90 minutes? That's why we don't bring any any youth players through, and it's just it's another thing wrong with our squad. The young players can't get on the pitch because they don't get kind of the blooded into the team. It's just it gets to the point where we'll have to play one, or they just don't. It's just it's just ridiculous. Dottie, are you going to come on to anything there, mate? Yeah, it's more of an extension of what we said before. So I mean, we're, we're really dodging around the point here asking a lot of questions and really you've got to say the whole football setup at the club you could talk about Mike Ashley's plans for the castle or the ticketing policy or the, 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 the fan the fan base exits or anything else and you can just say the football people involved in the Castle United do not have a clue what they're doing there seems to be no level of responsibility Lee Charney's yet to apologise personally for putting John Carver in charge that's his responsibility Mike Ashley came out and said no the book starts with me and then said all the football decisions were Lee Charney. <laughs> Lee Charney. Lee Charney made me and you lads feel worse about Newcastle than at any other point in our lives last season. And it's because he, because he took the cost-saving, uh, cheap, disgraceful manner of putting John Carver in the charge of Newcastle United, which was a disgrace. And the results were there. I mean, um, and now everyone's being blamed for that. Everyone, you know, everyone's got a story. And the, the, the board have said something and Carver says it and some of the players who've left have said it. And you can't, I can't see Newcastle ever again being successful while Graham Carr and Lee Charney are there. Mm-hmm. No, that's an interesting but I mean, you just take Paul Simon here. Poor lad, nearly lost his, his season ticket. <laughs> nearly out of his seat because of uh, Lee Charney, so he's got a lot of uh, lot of questions to answer. He is, he is the one man I blame, honestly. Um, Rich, Richie Smith just tweeted in, um, Rolanda Ahrens was, was officially 10 days away from fitness on at least 10 occasions this <laughs> season. He's absolutely right. So many times, like, oh, Aaron's, yeah, yeah, he's in training, he'll be back in a, in a week or two, and then we just never saw him. <laughs> and he started this season, and then he just disappeared again, and yeah. we've got Obertan just like, starting games again, <laughs> and Gufran sent him in. Can I just raise, raise the point, that's a good point, though, Richie, there. Can I just raise the point about um, Gufran and we're talking about youth players? Like, when he's put Gufran at Man City, this is why I'm just worried about McLaren. Surely there's got to be a kid playing for the reserve surely one of the reserve players mm-hmm. from the castle reserves have got to be better he hold you Mbappé in him but you know presumably Mbappé must have been showing something in reserve games and mm-hmm. training and you know stuff like that so it's no fruit I'm sure but 
as a Newcastle fan, and you know, if I hadn't been busy with work, I would have gone on a Saturday. Um, it's it's absolutely crazy that we seem to have absolutely no resources to our player. I mean, look at the a lot of the games in Newcastle started recently. Players out of position all over the shop. It's a disgrace. I mean, we had a left side against Sheffield uh, of Jan Matt and Obertan. <laughs> Like both right-footed players, and it, like it just doesn't seem to happen with the clubs. And if we if we bring it back round to the, the central point of what's gone wrong this season so far, and how how have we done, and where's it gone wrong, you have just got to think. You think of all the things that relegated teams do. Okay, they buy players who aren't good enough, and you've got to send your castle off in, in danger of that. Or they don't buy enough players. But they're constantly having new players and have to play players out of position. Their heads go down very quickly, and they concede lots of goals. And Quite frankly, they just don't threaten to look like winning football matches. I mean, you have to do all of those things. So everything has gone wrong this season. Everything. Well, you're absolutely right, and it's summed up by the fact we haven't won a football match. Like, yeah, it's it's just. I mean, I think going back to the the question at the start of the show, Ben, how do you think it's gone compared to how we thought it might have gone pre-season? You know, we discussed it on many a podcast how we think the season's going to go. We're all pretty positive about uh, McLaren. The signings look good. Yeah, we were all saying we're, we're crying out for a couple more. We need the defence to be shored up, that sort of thing. And would have loved to have seen Charlie Austin instead of a an unknown Mitrovic. And even after the first couple of games, Southampton, Man U, you thought, well, you know what, there seems to be some spirit there. But the fixture list hasn't been kind, and it's taken any kind of optimism away from us, just the fact that we've had this, this shock and run. But as you say, Dodzy, now we've got the injuries coming in, now we've got the confidence shot it don't look like winning games. It don't look like scoring goals. Like, where does he go from here? It's really, really worrying. Yes, and what's what's even more worrying is how ITV continue to get away with making like football productions because I'm sat here at home watching coverage of the <laughs> game, and all they're doing is, is changing camera angles constantly to Harry Kane. Like, watching the back oh, of Harry Kane's no. head here in an interview it just gives me head in, so I have to turn over. But um, is is it wait, not what, if they're what, not done their foot in the face uh, like Panet, where he's got to stare at the camera and it's two inches from his nose? It's just ridiculous. I have no idea what's going on. It's like someone in the production studio. It's like us, us doing the bloody um, <laughs> radio show, like not having a clue what we're doing about all the buttons. We're like, now, press that one. Like, now, now I've just seen slow motion pictures of, um, well, not slow motion, but I've just seen pictures. Someone's filmed the camera lenses taking photos of Harry Kane, like, <laughs> get a grip. But um, that's the idea. But when, when you're talking about the fixer list, like, what's really, really worrying is now we've got Norwich at home, four o'clock in front of the nation. What happens if Newcastle don't win that match? We've got some in the way the week after this big Sam, you know, back, back at the Magnums. Two, two, two more suited clubs and people you could not find. Sam Allardyce with his rancid <laughs> lack of ambition, his millions made on the back of mediocrity and terrible, dire football and having a go at the fans and thinking winning one out of 13 games is good and all the, you know, his little smoke face against the Magnums who practically, you know, are the worst team in the world apart from Villa. But anyway, we'll probably lose so we're relegated. You can cast a lot of 10 games without a win. We're relegated. You don't come back from that. Yeah, it's, it's a massive worry, isn't it? I mean, we, we've said the next four games, I think it's uh, Stoke and Bournemouth after that as well. Um, you've, Minimum of nine points. Yeah, you have to. You've, you've, you've got to. At some point, the the bad luck or whatever he, he wants to sort of try and spin it has is, is got to change and you've, you've got to start taking chances. Um and I think I mean a lot of it obviously on on the pitch um, it comes down to, to McLaren obviously the decisions he makes I mean you, you kind of get away with playing Gufran bringing him out I mean we'll just go back to that it was just a mental decision to play him when he's he's been nowhere near the team in 10 games <laughs> nowhere near it still makes you laugh doesn't and, it and he's he's hoyed in against the best team in the league like what's the thinking behind that it's absolutely ridiculous I, was, I totally agree but I was laughing it was just showing you footage of um I'll stop talking about the stupid IQ recovery. <laughs> it was just showing me some inches when uh, Rooney scored his 50th goal. <laughs> and he, and he, came into, he came into the dressing room and everyone's clapping. And Roy Hodgson starts like flapping this. Yeah, I've seen it. This stupid grin on Hodgson's face. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm just. Sorry, uh, I'm, I'm on over again. <laughs> I remember that. It is a humorous uh, moment. But yeah, no, it's it's just it's as as we say that the next four games is is going to make or break the season, I think, um, and and that's already ten like less than ten games into the season, we're already looking like <laughs> it's it's it could be a lost season already. It's very worrying. 
So anyway, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so was there. Uh, saying yeah, so R- R- Richie Smith's uh, tweeted in again. Sorry, I was just uh, trying to read it upside down because Dodsy we can't move <laughs> the phone because you're, uh, we'll lose you. Um, <laughs> hypothetically, McLaren loses the next two games. He probably gets the boot. Richie Smith reckons. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, this is what I was saying this week on the podcast with Mike. If anyone hasn't listened to it, which I'm sure there are plenty, judging by the listening figures, now, which are very good. Um, uh, I was saying, if you look at the starting with Brendan Rodgers, if, if if Liverpool beat Everton, do you think Brendan Rodgers loses his job? No. No. And that, no I, 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 me, I disagree. I think that was predetermined. I think that was always going to happen. Okay. Well, I, I, I agree with Ben, and I, I don't think that after a win against Everton, I don't think Liverpool could, would, would or could sack him, and that that tells you something. I'm not. I actually think he, he should have been sacked in the summer, mm-hmm. but I think you know he should have been sacked before the Everton game. I think once they drew with Norwich, um, I think it was Norwich. I don't know whether they beat Villa. No, yeah, they beat the beat Villa three two, didn't they? They beat Villa and then they drew with Everton. I think it was a draw with Norwich the one before they probably decided, and he should have gone then. But they probably thought, oh, we've got three games in the next week the new manager there's no one to take over and all this kind of stuff and I, I think it's the same with McLaren if, if we all agree now that if McLaren um, doesn't win his next two games or gets beaten in both next two games he should be sacked he should be sacked anyway you can't you can't put you can't put such fine margins on it and you have to ask yourself has, has McLaren Sikaki United shown enough in these past eight weeks or these past two two or three months since the season started that Newcastle United are going to be reasonably safe in the Premier League you'd have to say no I'm mm-hmm. not against that one now. I'm not calling for his head because I don't think anyone better can come in. Yeah. But I, don't, I think the elite, after talking up the cup so much, mm-hmm. that performance um, in, that, in that game, in that Sheffield. formation in, in that game, um, in the Watford game, in the Man City game, uh, and the, even the Arsenal game to an extent, I, I, I don't buy that Newcastle played well. I know Mickey said in the podcast this week, we probably could have got him from the game. They were, they were, they were in first gear in Carroll Park. We, we, def- we, defended, we defended reasonably well in it, I think, was his point. Once, we, we weren't going to score. Yeah. Once yeah. we were down to 10 men, we defended all right. Mm-hmm. We defended terribly when it was 11 v 11 because mm-hmm. the stupid formation that he was playing, yeah. which he, he stuck with for weeks and weeks and weeks, against good teams, which, are, which by the way, Manchester United, I do not count, um, you just get torn apart because if they're playing the same formation, they've also played 4 2 3 1 against the Wicks they did. And we played four two three one. They're just going to beat where if, if the players are all useless like they are. <laughs> yeah. and man, man for man. So yeah. So I think that game we, going down to ten men was actually a good thing for McLaren because we weren't going. We weren't awesome, we're, we couldn't get the ball, man. But now like, I think it was eighteen minutes in, and we still haven't had a shot. Mm-hmm. Like, we haven't even come. Close, we haven't put a cross in, and like everyone's just that's being like whitewashed from everyone's brain. And I think um, if I go back to to what actually happened, I think I watched that. I was in the box and I watched out you lads saying just before Mitrovic got sent off I sent you saying he's good. I sent you a text saying he's going to send Mitrovic off or we're going to get battered because mm-hmm. he, you know he was giving everything to the opposition and he, yeah. was, he was all over but I think that's an off kind of save McLaren if Castle got me three or four there the, the clouds could have come in a bit quicker No, I think it's, it's an interesting point you make there actually Dodgy because I think that sort of galvanised the fans as well um, because it it, obviously, the the players, the position they were put in, and I think, as you say, we were a bit lucky that Arsenal weren't weren't in better form because they they could have they, they could have had another Man City uh, sort of hiding, been on the back of one of them. But it, obviously, it was a fighting display, obviously against adversity, where the ref had, had sent off Mitrovic for what a lot thought was was very harsh, um, and it just galvanised the fan base. I mean, we, we it was basically a standing ovation for the players after that game, even though we lost one nil. Everyone was was sort of had a bit of pride because would actually show would would put a bit of a, a fight up, um, and I think that sort of brought him a bit of sort of credence with with the fans. But as you say, it's 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 only going to last for so long. I mean, these next few games we, we keep saying a massive. If I don't think he would be sacked, but I, th- I get what you're saying. He, sh- he should probably should be if he if he can it. I mean, he's had he'll have had ten games after the next two games. He'll have had ten games with the players. If you can't get anything out of them, you're not gonna you're not gonna get it. You're not gonna just gonna, it's not gonna happen. It's half the league, so you've definitely played some some winnable games and then obviously some harder games. Um, Dodzy, I, I I kind of agree with what you're saying. Like if if we're gonna sack him in two games, then he might as well go now. Um, at the same time, I think 
that might be a little bit harsh. If he's under a lot of pressure, he's had an awful fixture list. Yeah, to start I'm, with. Not saying, I'm not saying Sackman for losing two games, but I'm not being. No, no, I know, I know. But your point was that if if we've lost faith in him after two more games, then we've essentially lost faith in him now. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree, but also he's in, he's under a lot of pressure. He's had an awful start fixture-wise. He's had some bad luck with referees and all that kind of thing. And he's, he's, he's working in difficult conditions, as, as the last four or five managers have been. Um, if he can pull off two wins against Norwich and Sunderland, and that's not going to be easy given the, the state of work, I can probably retain a bit of faith in him and think, you know what, the pressure's then off. He can then go forward in the next five or six games and start playing properly and, mm-hmm. and just get back to being a normal team. At the minute, there's so much pressure and so much riding on every game now that it's going to be so difficult and yes if you can win the two games I think we'll all be sat here a bit oh you can guarantee we'll be doing a podcast in two weeks saying you should be LMA manager of the year or whatever and he's, he's the greatest well, thing got, since sliced bread you, lad, because there is absolutely no way Newcastle United are going to pull two wins up the <laughs> absolute shower I'm serious there's no way in a million years we'll put two wins lad we'll have a we'll, 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 We've won three games in like eleven minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and we're asking them to pull out back of that game. <laughs> Norwich at home. The, Nor- the Norwich game is bigger than the Sunderland game. Sunderland are an absolute force. We know what Sunderland are. The the, the the worst club in the league because they're continually. You know, I don't want to go into it now. But the worst club in the league. Norwich are a reasonable Premier League team. Um, they look like they're going to have enough to at least really challenge to stay up this season. We need to be beating Norwich at home. If, if we go to Sunderland, if we lose to Norwich, and we go to Sunderland. And win a derby, it's pointless. It's absolutely pointless because Norwich is the big one. If we can't get a home win against Norwich, and we're going to last, you know, we're going to November without having won a home game or, or with one win in the Premier League, it's just uh, we're going to get relegated. I think oh, people yeah. are a lot less concerned than, than we are. I see very few people talking about relegation, and I can't say unless unless we spend like a hundred million quid on that. Nah, <laughs> we spend for 30, 40 million quid on cracking players with pace and power in their midfielder. Who can actually run the game on uh, in, in January? I can't see Newcastle staying up. I mean, it's it's one thing as well. We we sort of talked about it last Friday on the the radio show, I think, as well about the character of the team, and it sort of goes a, a bit into obviously the, as we were saying the type of players Graham Carr buys. So I was saying it just picks the same sort of number tens that have got a bit little bit of skill about them, or whatever. But you, you can't sort of get away from the fact that. It's, we're, we're quite a soft team as well. Um, there's not many players sort of diving in there to put the bodies on the line. And, and you need people to fight when you, you, you're struggling as much as we have. And so there's not really anywhere, there's nobody in that squad that you would think is you would describe them as a fighter. Would you agree? Well, it's not boxing. No. Sorry? Sorry, go on, I just go on, said go it wasn't boxing. <laughs> go on, oh, oh, sorry, I, I, didn't, I didn't know whether you were going to jump in there. So, yeah, yeah, Ben, absolutely. Agree. But what's happening, obviously, with after the Man City game, you know, Mark Douglas, uh, the football sports editor of the Chronicle, was, like, um, putting some shout-outs um, from the live blog that they run practically every day of the week um, on the Chronicle website. And immediately after the game, or, or like, when the sixth goal went in against uh, Man City, someone was like, you know what, you cast need back. And he's, he's a free agent. Oh, I heard. I heard him link. I heard him linked with uh, Big Sam today. Yeah, and um, what do you say? Get uh, was like someone absolutely kicked off him. Kevin Nolan, the bloke who couldn't get on West Ham bench. Mostert was was like, well, like, we'll have to put out what people say, and you just know there's a section of the Castle fans thinking, I right. Nolan would sort this out by standing around, not particularly <laughs> doing anything, shouting at people, and generally being unfit. <laughs> So essentially, Sissoko. Without the shouting. <laughs> you yeah, are? Without the shouting, all the. Yeah. All the time in the middle of the pitch. <laughs> He's never near the middle. <laughs> He's on the wing all the time. Oh, mental. Anyway, so we've sort of touched on it a little bit. I think we'll, we'll move on because we're, we're going to sort of talk about a few of the things away from Newcastle. So um, obviously, we just mentioned him there. Um, what do you think of the Sam Allardyce uh, uh, appointment for Sunderland? He's a potato. He's a, he's a, just an awful, awful, just joke of a of a bloke in football. Dodds he's basically summed up before. He's he's made millions out of football by being terrible at at his job. <laughs> he's got no. I mean, Bolton's probably the one like peak that he hit. He, he got them up to something like seventh and yeah. did, did they have a season in Europe. They finished. They finished sixth and eighth. 
in two seasons, which is a crummy achievement. He spent a lot of money. He put a lot of wages. That he, he smashed the wages. Well, they're basically still paying for those days now. But, yeah. but you know what? That's a fair enough achievement. That's in like that's in that's not like last sixteen years. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. <laughs> he came to us. His, his, his win percentage was something like thirty percent. He won like six or seven games, and well, he, he didn't complete <laughs> complete the whole season, did he? But it, again, though, just bought a load of players on just massive bought, wages. He bought shockingly. He went to Blackburn, c- crippled them a bit, and yes, you might say it, it only got worse after he left. But it, it, he basically <laughs> sowed the seeds of relegation there. And then West Blackburn Ham. Blackburn was a good club. Blackburn was a good good club. From twenty thousand people rattling around in a thirty-five k stadium, no real expectation, no real targets apart from staying up. Yeah. That is Sam Allardyce's club. That's why West Ham was never a good fit. And if you look at them, Newcastle. I heard Tom Allardyce on the radio two weeks ago talking about why the likes of Newcastle, Sunderland and Stoke were struggling and stuff like that and he goes well well, when I was at Newcastle we had the best start to a season at this point in something like 21 years and, and I was expecting you know the, and then to go well, what went wrong and the, the, the bloke the, the radio center just had a way with it it's like we'll, we'll say what happened next <laughs> well, he didn't win a game for four months <laughs> like, it's like he was like well I sacked me and I've had the best start ever well that's not why you got sacked on yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> I know I've, I've interrupted you side. I'm sorry him and Sunderland I think this is a really bad appointment for Sunderland I think it's a really really bad appointment even if if he keeps Sunderland up what next you know because that's what they've done the last what is it five managers now four mm-hmm. managers so I think it's five, five managers in two years isn't that something and scraped stopping up scraped it and they've had the same problems the same issues they've never brought in a manager I mean I think the Poirier is probably the closest they've come to doing it when they brought in somebody who um, was going to try and build something, but I think apparently the stuff went on behind the scenes with Poi, he was a difficult bloke to work with, he was, he was very arrogant and stuff like that. The, you know, Sam Allardyce isn't going to build them anything. The night, I mean, when was the last time Sam Allardyce lasted more than like a, few, a couple of years at the club? I know he was at West Ham for over four years, but when I was in the championship, he was deeply unpopular. Sunderland keep doing the same thing. They keep thinking, oh, well, rubbish. Let's have the manager, let's get someone in who will keep it up not thinking any longer term than that they're not going to spend any money they spent money on Barini and, and they're going to get more money this, this year but even if he keeps them up what's the point he's not going to he's not going to provide long term success for Sunderland mm-hmm. he'll not be there long enough yeah oh, it's, 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 go, goes, to, goes to clubs so we can get the sack that's doing the right <laughs> <next way. laughs> he's, he's only on a two year deal so I think it comes back to the point as you say it's, it's not a, an appointment that's going to Right, any of the wrongs that have been done, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not gonna. You're not gonna. He's not gonna build foundations within that club, as you yeah. say. He's probably more likely to absolutely cripple them yeah. for even longer. And you guarantee that in that two-year deal, there's some sort of ludicrous bonus for keeping them up. Mm. And is it a two-year deal? Yeah, it's two years. Two years. Yeah. My point is even more. Exactly. Well, that's exactly it. I the, didn't the, know that. They said it's with the option of an extension if everything <laughs> goes well. They've stopped even trying to hide it. it, is, it <laughs> that is what they are. That's what they're doing. That's what they'll continue to do. The base is just the, the base is just the same as Newcastle. They just want to stop in the league, but the the, the, the lie about it. At least Newcastle like, don't don't even have the contempt <laughs> to keep the fans like pretending. Like, <laughs> Suddenly they're like, no, no, we'll care. We're honest. Coming next year. Show you the right back. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. Anyway, so moving on from there, Mayor, what do you think about Klopp, Dodsey? Obviously, you, um, I assume you touched on it um, in the week. What were your thoughts on, on that signing, uh, on that appointment? Homework for Ben and Sly, listen to the last podcasts. <laughs> um, uh, I th- what I said in the podcast was, and apologies if, if you've already heard this, I think he could be a really good manager. Two big problems. Number one, He's only managed at a club which is it like was 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 like a massive, huge club in Germany, the second mm-hmm. biggest club in Germany by a mile. Mm-hmm. If you look at the rest of Germany, everyone talks about how well run the clubs are. The manager turnover is actually very high, and, mm-hmm. and the clubs kind of it is it is good that clubs are changed so much. We're not stuck with the, the same clubs at the top, but there's a real like fall from grace for a lot of clubs. I think like Schalke and Mönchengladbach this season and Dortmund with the youth academy, which had nothing to do with him. You know, was it was a fantastic job for anybody at the time. Yeah, he takes more enormous amount of credit for that. The other big issue is that he he, he did mess it up at the end. That's kind of been massively uh, glossed over. Yeah. He did nearly relegate them, like with that squad and that team, who with the same the same people now. 
are absolutely flying. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's, I, I don't know, I just think it's like, there's also way too much being made into what kind of club Dortmund were. Like, people are saying, oh, Fallen Giant again, you know, it's going to be brilliant. Just like Liverpool, mm-hmm. building the Dortmund, haven't won the league for 15, 20 years or something. I think they actually won, won Champions League in 97, 98. So, wasn't yeah. it, it was a, a good comparison. And that's irrelevant, really. It's the same when SSG came in at Liverpool. Because they've done what they've done with the Red Sox, and I think it was the year after they took them over, 69 years or something, I'll do it. Yeah, it was baseball, but massive. They, and, and everyone's like, oh, they know how to do this. And it's like, that's just garbage. It's mm-hmm. two completely different sports, different countries. And I know, obviously, these are the same sports in the same countries with Klopp, but this whole, like, oh, it's really good because he's done X, Y, and Z uh, in terms of being at a similar club, that's just irrelevant. Let's look at what he did. He had a lot of success. He got a Champions League final. He won two league titles, but he built that team. Like, it took him a few years and yeah. he built that team and it's a different job at Liverpool. He, he, he doesn't have two or three years to, to kind of build anything. He's, he's got to hit the top of the ground running. In addition, what's the aim this season? Mm-hmm. If Liverpool come eight this season, are you going to be under pressure to have a bad start of next season? Yeah. So it's just, uh, the jury's out. I'm being, I'm being mm-hmm. negative because he yeah. could be really, really good and he seems like a really sound bloke. And mm-hmm. I suppose most of all, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it turns out. Yeah. No, I mean, just obviously to come back down a few them points, I mean, I think, as you say, the Premier League is a completely different animal to the Bundesliga. Okay, as you say, Dortmund were a bit of a sleeping giant. It it was just it just needed someone to bring that team together. I mean, the, some of the players they had. Um, I mean, obviously at the time it was Lewandowski, Royce, um, Gundogan. I mean, they, they had some real quality players there. That um, it just it just took a manager to sort of galvanise them and get them playing as a team. Um, but <laughs> it's going to be a lot lot more difficult at, at Liverpool, considering they're probably the fifth, sixth biggest spenders in the league. Um, it's going to be a difficult sort of task in getting players of, of the top quality to them because obviously they're going to be in competition with your Man Cities, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's, even Manchester United's. You know, it's it's not going to be as simple as the the draw of Liverpool to, to players because it's just not there anymore. Um, people players these days don't look at history so much. They they're looking at who the, the now who can give us the best chance of. Of winning silverware and Liverpool are a million miles away from that really at the minute, um, so I think it's it's going to be a real struggle for him to attract the type of players that they need. To I mean, he's talking about having won a title within four years. Um, they're a long, long way from that at the minute, um, and it's you, you feel like it's going to be a massive task. As you say, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think I think he's a decent fit for the club, um, but. As you say, it's it's going to be a, a, a tough uh, tough ride for him. What do you think, Sai? Yeah, I think I, I don't mind that he's, he's gone in with, with that kind of statement. It's it's ambitious, obviously, and as you say, Liverpool aren't anywhere near that top four at the minute. But if there's ever a time to attack the top four, it's in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Chelsea are faltering. City, yes, have kind of regalvanised a bit this season, but they've not still not looked like you know long term kind yeah, of. They're not going to run away with champions. Man United are still a farce. Arsenal are still a farce. Like. There's a gap there that, that could be exploited if, if a good manager took a team like Liverpool, who are they, they are the next rung down, obviously with with the kind of Tottenham, maybe Southampton. I don't know. They're they're obviously a rung below those lot, but it's not impossible to get in there with with mm-hmm. the right kind of build up and the right kind of kind of attitude. I don't know. I don't. You say it's not impossible, but the, none of them have done it really, have they? I mean, Liverpool managed to scrape in a couple of seasons ago. Well, not with obviously. Brent in charge. What? Not with Brent in charge. Yeah, but well, he did. Obviously, he he took them with, with Suarez, but that's what I mean. They had that world class player. Yeah. Um, they, they're not going to be able to track that that sort of type of ilk of player anymore. Um, so I, I I think it's yeah. I see what you're saying, but at the same time, and you, you, the problem is they've been stuck buying that next tier sort of type of player. You look at the signings they've been making; they're not players that would be starting in any of the top four teams. Yeah, um, they're all projects who are young. Like, I mean, look at Klein. Good player, he was obviously getting in the England team, but he wouldn't be starting right, right back for any of the top four teams. Well, maybe Man U, but yeah, it, you just wonder it's, if Klopp's got a bit more pulling power again than, than Brendan Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a world class player thinking, oh, how can I you know, grow my career? Klopp, just, oh, just yeah. by his kind of personality and stuff, seems like a more prosperous uh, <laughs> option than, than Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers, huh? and his, uh, and his What are you going to say, Dodzy? I was on the podcast, I made the point that. Rogers is very rarely warmly talked to by former players. I know it, I know he's pretty young as a manager, so he's not going to have ex-players. But 
he just seemed to fall out of a lot of people. You look at um, Jose Enrique and Pepe Reina, and you might say that too. Neat examples where would would really fell out with them massively, and you probably read Pepe Reina's absolutely buzzing on Twitter uh, when what did he lost his job the other day. Well, just, just look at Gerard the way the way he dealt with the Gerard situation. He, he he seems to be very much a a guy who use players and, and build them up and then drop them as soon as they're not used to them yeah. and that kind of rubs people up the wrong way but mm-hmm. for Liverpool and Klopp and winning the league in four years like you say I mean, it's not impossible and Liverpool proved that you could argue that FSG's sole achievement in uh, five years of Liverpool was buying Luis Suarez <laughs> because without him they've been absolutely hopeless <laughs> yeah. and he's, you know, he's such a good player and I know he had his, uh, he's had his moments but people have said uh, to defend Rodgers this last week that the last two seasons, he won to finish uh, second, but Liverpool have had the fifth highest wage bill in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So what's expected? But I'm sure that any owner of a club will say that's the point of having a manager. He's supposed to perform more than the sum of your parts. It shouldn't yeah. be that difficult. Uh, a decent manager will do that. And it, it's kind of hard. I mean, I think probably the best ever example of it was Alan Pardew with Newcastle mm-hmm. in 11-12 with like the you know, 13th biggest wage bill and <laughs> the fifth best team. But... When you say, like you're saying there, what, 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 what's Klopp going to do in four years to win the league? I don't see, especially with the, the squad Liverpool have, what he's going to do to even get in the Champions League. And if, like as you say, when you're saying um, Chelsea are faltering and Man City are faltering, say, say Mourinho loses his job this season, mm-hmm. Chelsea spend another 150 million quid next year on new manager, new players. Mm-hmm. Liverpool can't do that yeah. and when they do it's been a disaster so they probably shouldn't do it anyway mm-hmm. so it, it's, a t- it's a tough time in the Premier League and I think one of you earlier on said oh, Arsenal have been one or two players away for a little while from having a great team I don't even think it's that I just think you don't need against Lindy Argus with the team Arsenal had the other day I think, I, think, I think whatever players Arsenal have would be irrelevant I think it's an issue with mentality and it's an Arsenal regular yeah. issue no, but, like, certainly certainly Liverpool are I, I don't know. I'm going to put my neck on the line and so I think it's going to be a net. I have them second at the start of the season, like any prediction. But I, I, I don't, I don't think Klopp will work out. I think it's too hard a job. That, that, to be fair, you dodgy though. That was based on Brendan Rodgers, wasn't it? Absolutely, it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it will be interesting. I think. I mean, I, as you say there. Um, Chelsea and Man. I mean, Man U. You look at the money they've spent over the last couple of years. Just to get basically they've bought fourth in the league, and that was the highest they could really manage. And you know that that bottom list, Warchester LVG's got there, is just gonna keep keep uh, pounding away. They're still going to be buying more and more players, um, and it's just I think it's 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 the difficult thing. I mean, I suppose it's what Ashley's sort of idea, ideal idea for Newcastle was to run an affordable club where you're not. Overreaching, having to spend 150 million to improve the squad, it's it's sort of buying sensibly and trying to invest. Um, obviously, that hasn't worked because we haven't brought any <laughs> sort of youth players through or anything like that. But it's it's very interesting. It'll be interesting to see sort of how he how he he sort of builds his team. I guess. Um, I mean, there's there's talks that he's he's going to go back to Dortmund and raid a lot of their players. Um, I mean, obviously, there's been Royce has been linked with them for years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. So you, you could see a Royce type player coming in and, and having a really big impact, but again, I think a lot of it depends on the likes of if Sturridge is going to be fit. Um, I mean, I think that the midfield is still very weak, um, and it's it's just interesting that they, they're another team that seems to have a lot of these similar type of players, a bit like us. These number tens that just there's too, there's too many of them in the team that they can't fit them all in, and it just. It, um, but the, the balance of the team's all wrong. Best two, best two trades to have in the world at the moment: um, airport banner flying person, because there's so many ridiculous football fans out there. And number ten, <laughs> if you're number ten, everyone seems to want to buy you <laughs> to play anywhere but there. But you always get bored. <laughs> no, fair point. So anyway, so the last thing we're just going to say, just to pick out. So for dark horses, who do you think does? Obviously. You uh, touted Watford as finishing eleventh, I think was it in the Premier League. Yeah. Who do you, do you still stick by that, or do you think there's a, a better shout? No, actually, I actually think, and I said this uh, on a podcast recently. I think um, I think Watford's. Oh no, I wrote about this in my blog uh, on the TF website on the winners and losers when Watford lost to Palace. 
Um, I thought Watford were going to be solid, but I thought they were going to, with the two players I have up front, who picked up a lot of um, praise, especially against the likes of Newcastle, um, I thought they were going to be better than they are, and basically they are, they've got by so far on having a sound defence and mm-hmm. Tony Cavill. Um, <laughs> and I think that'll, that'll soon run out. They played cards at home the other week, and they hardly had a shot. It wasn't um, a great game, was it? I sat and watched that. Palace, against a lot of teams this season, have allowed plenty of shots and chances on their goal. And I just think Watford, um, they're going to they're gonna get to the point of the season when they've got suspensions, injuries, their players are not good. Uh, and they are not be able to, they can't rely, no promoted team has ever stayed up on having an outrageous defence. It just doesn't happen. Uh, they have to score goals like the Leicester last season. I mean, Leicester had both last season, but they Leicester, everyone said, all the way through last season, Leicester created loads and loads of chances. Yeah, they weren't looking a lot of games, weren't they? And then they didn't really do anything different apart from the start of scoring. Yeah. Um, so I think Watford, I think the Dark Horses for me, I think so far we get top four. They really lost one game. Top four? That's a big shot. game, you know, against Everton. Yeah, and, uh, I mean... I don't, I don't think, and, you know, no one else has lost fewer than one game. No one was undefeated mm-hmm. on it. I mean, I suppose it's helped as well. I mean, I think obviously when we played them at the start of the season, we we thought they they looked really poor. I mean, obviously they had the chances to win that game, but when when we were sort of looking at that game, you thought, oh, obviously from the previous season they were a really top team. Um, but no, that's an, that's a big shout top four. I mean, I suppose it helps that they're out of Europe already, um, so they're not they've not got to worry about that. Uh, Sai, who have you gone for? Well, I was going to say Southampton as well because we I think we've had Southampton finishing something like ninth or tenth or mm-hmm. even even lower. In our pre-season predictions, and that's just—they just look good again. As we've, I think we mentioned last week, they've, they've actually rebuilt a squad twice in, in two years and done it successfully. Um, Everton as well. I had them down as finishing seventeen. I think we both. I think we both had them. I think we all said they, they would be quite low. They were going to be my ones. I think and keeping John Stones yeah, has been massive keeping for them. Stones. They've got Lukaku back on form. They've got Barkley coming back in and, and looking. Like got a Runa Kone player of the year like, <laughs> who keep, keep, keeps finding his he's, way he's, in and out of yeah. my RF team he's, he's played like every game um, <laughs> no Everton I think that, I think they've got a chance of getting back in Europe which would be an achievement for them really because they've looked they've been on the decline for a couple of years mm-hmm. Palace obviously we're, we're waiting for the day that Pardew hits his run of <laughs> and he just won't, won't do it <laughs> just keeps winning games um, and then there's Man U who are <laughs> exceeding expectations as well somehow um, but that that can't last. There's no way that'll last. So just a quick one then. <laughs> just a quick one. Who do you think is going to be uh, the, have have the biggest mayor? Who would you like to see? Like the alternative, the the opposite. Who's who who you think is uh, was touted to have a good season is going to have a nightmare? Apart from us. Apart from us. Ooh, I don't know. The, the, the three worst teams in the league were the three worst teams in the league last year: Newcastle, Sunderland, Villa. And but I don't think many people had huge uh, sort of aspirations for any of those teams, did they? I guess not. Um, um, well, Chelsea, I suppose, are the obvious ones, aren't they? But you'd expect. Do you think that'll last? I, I, if they don't sort themselves out, they could seriously finish outside the top four, and that's where Dodzy's point of Southampton. Then what they could snake it. Um, well, my new, my new as well. I'm not going to finish top four, but um, <laughs> if, you, if you think about Chelsea, you know the strange thing. He's doing another Carver and McLaren. He's just playing that formation game after game. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just not working. It didn't work for the second half of last season. Playing Fabregas in a deep line midfield was yeah. just pointless. It's it's quite an interesting part. Actually, I heard someone on the radio in the week saying it's obviously been one of his strengths that he's had for a few years that he's he's loyal with his players and that's why he gets the most out of them. But it's it's sort of counting against him now because he's he's been loyal with Terry. He's been loyal with with Ivanovic and been loyal with Fabregas. And the three of them have, have basically sank his ship. Um, they've been absolutely awful, uh, and it'll be it will be really interesting to see if he does sort of uh, chop and make make changes in that. Um, I mean, I think obviously they've they've got far too much talent, and and he's a, a brilliant manager to to sort of fall out the top four. I can't see that, um, but it, it'll be uh, it'll be very interesting to see sort of how it pans out. I think it's one to watch, isn't it? Obviously. Anyway, I think uh, that's probably about time for us tonight. Um, so thank you for listening. This will be going out on uh, SoundCloud um, later this evening. So if you've obviously, <laughs> you will have listened to this. Um, <laughs> if you're just tuning in now for some reason, you'll be able to listen back to the show. I think that's what you're trying to say. Something like that. If you're just tuning in now, 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so thanks for listening. Good night. And uh, keep an eye out uh, for the podcasts coming in the week. Yep, have a good weekend. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.